Oh, it's good to be with you this morning. It is wonderful. I love the cold weather. I am sorry. I know that everybody doesn't. I know that there's some people that are dying today. I know there's some people whose heat went out uh, overnight. And boy, for that, we are uh, so sorry and glad that you are enjoying the warmth with us. Uh, not just the physical, but the spiritual and the emotional warmth that comes together in this place. But uh, I, I want you to know we have a, a serious uh, process at our house for trying to keep warm. Um, we have fire in the fireplace, which we make sure and make, and we have the heat turned up a little bit. Uh, but one of the most important things that we do is we put our blankets in the dryer and dry them up to where they're steaming hot and then pull that out and go and take that and put that upon my wife there. Uh, so just so that you know, uh, that's, that, that's, that's what we're doing to keep our marriage together right now. And uh, I encourage any of you, uh, if you're going to turn the heat way down like I do, then you got to come up with something. So use that warm blanket theory there in the process. You can have that for free. Um, let's pray before we begin. Holy God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for uh, the blessing of this place. We thank you that we get together together as the redeemed of those in Christ. Uh, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for the way that you've changed us. We thank you that uh, we were uh, people that were dead in our sin and we've become alive again through the sacrifice of your son Jesus and through his resurrection. And so, Lord, we ask that you would make us your witnesses to share that in everything that we do throughout our lives. And, Lord, in particular, uh, we ask that uh, this city would become a place where people are sharing uh, their faith in Christ. Give us the opportunity to share our faith in Christ. Uh, and, Lord, we ask that you would bless the church, uh, the entire church here in Kerrville. In particular, Lord, we ask that you would be with Sunrise Baptist Church this morning, their pastor, Sean Wagner. Lord, we ask that you would bless him with the gift of preaching as you do, uh, as we ask that for myself as well. And, Lord, that they would be a people who are lit on fire and uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and share their faith. And through that, uh, this city would come to know the saving grace of Jesus. Lord, we ask all of this in his mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to back this up just a little bit because it seems like that's helping. So uh, hopefully that, that'll bring out the, uh, that we won't be ringing that out the whole time. Um, we have been in a process of seeking his way. We're in, a, we're in a process of visioning our church. We're trying to find out what does it mean to be in the church, to be the church in this town? What does it mean to follow the words of God? What does it mean to be his people? What does it mean to live out this truth and this story that he's got for us? And one of the ways that we're doing that is we're going through the book of Acts right now. And the book of Acts is a continuation of the book of Luke. It was written by the same person. You know, you have those where you go, hey, previously on CSI, this is what happened. That's what we're getting here in Acts is for him to go, hey, Luke wrote this. And previously in Luke, this is what he wrote. So Luke, Acts go together. Luke is the story of Jesus' life. Acts is the story of the church trying to figure out what it means to be the church in this world. And there's, man, there's all kinds of drama in it. You need to know there's ups and downs and there's all kinds of issues that happen as God's people try and figure out what it means to be his people here in this world. And so that's why we're looking at that right now. Uh, and we're going to be talking about what it means for us to be his witnesses and what he calls us to. And if I can, just before I get into that uh, much more, if you're a guest with us, if you're in a spot where you've come in and you're saying, hey, I'm not sure what I believe about this Jesus. I'm not sure what it means to follow God. I'm in this spot where I'm trying to figure out what this looks like. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means for us to be sharing our faith and for us to be uh, witnessing to other people. And we want you to know that the reason we talk about this 
is because we are people who have had our lives changed, and we can't help but share it. And so while we talk about this today, we want you to realize you're not a project to us. Uh, we're not trying to sell you something like a Cutco person uh, who comes and knocks on your door and tries to get you to buy knives. There's nothing wrong with those. I love those knives, by the way. But, but that's not what we're doing. We're a people that can't help but share what Jesus has done in us. So what we ask is I hope that you'll give us a little grace and kind of follow along as you come to understand that we are moved to share this. And we're trying to figure out the best way to do that and to make sure that we're focusing on the right thing and that we're keeping Jesus at the center of it. That's why we sing songs and we gather together. That's why we love one another the way that we do. And so we just want to share that uh, with each other today. So you're going to hear us talk about what it looks like for us to share our faith. And we hope that uh, uh, you will feel included as we talk about this today. So last week we started this at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is the beginning of Acts. And we're going to go through that one again today. I want that to be our scripture that we look at for the next few weeks. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That is the words of Jesus before he ascended and left uh, the earth to go sit at the right hand of Jesus. This is what he called us to do. That's the beginning of Acts, and you need to know that's the recap from Luke. Because at the end of Luke, here's what happened in Luke 24, 44 through 49. This is, part, this is one of the uh, versions of the Great Commission. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer. He'll rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you've been closed with power from on high. So what you have is the end of Luke, him saying, here's what's going to happen. I want you to go and be my witnesses, and I want you to start in Jerusalem. And then in Acts at the beginning, it goes, as a review, I'd like to remind you what Jesus said before he left, that I would like for you to go be my witnesses, and I want you to begin in Jerusalem. So if you look at this, the end of Acts in particular, this is what we call the Great Commission. This is the, the role that's been given, not just to the disciples then, but we believe this is the role that has been given to us as well. This is our assignment. This is our purpose in this world, is to go and be witnesses, to make disciples, to show people a new way of living that is uh, embedded in the idea of the story of what God has told us through Jesus Christ. That's our role. And if that's our role, then Acts 1-8 tells you how to go about it. This is your assignment. Here's how you go about it. Because it's a big, big assignment. I mean, when he says, look, here's the deal. You're witnesses. Now I want you to go take this to the ends of the earth. That's a, that's a big assignment. That's a big elephant to, to, to eat, right? And you know the old joke about that. How do, you, how do you eat an elephant? You start with just the first bite. And this is what he's saying is this is where I want you to start. I want you to start here in Jerusalem, right here where you are. This is where I want you to start. And he says Jerusalem and Judea. And just so you know, Jerusalem is in Judea. It would be like uh, Kerrville and in Texas. It's the region around there is Judea. And Jerusalem's the center of that. And one of the things that he wants you to do is he goes, I want you to start here and I want this to spread. But I want it to spread starting here. 
And the reason is because this is going to be like ripples when you throw a big rock in the water, right? It's going to get, and it's going to start spreading from the center. And Jerusalem's the center. It's the center of the uh, crucifixion, of the resurrection, and then the ascension. And so I would, what Jesus is saying is begin here and then let this spread. And we're so thankful that it did. It wasn't just Jesus talking. It, it actually happened. They were empowered to do this. If it didn't ever make it outside of Jerusalem, I don't know that we would know it, right? We're the Gentile people who were not centered right there in the middle of Jewish thought. And instead, what happened was it began in Jerusalem, and it did spread to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And we're going to continue talking about Samaria and the ends of the earth starting in the next few weeks. But the main thing I want you to realize is this assignment that was given to them is still the assignment that's given to us. He didn't take the believers and say, now go to church. He took them and said, you're the church, now go to the world. And that's a very different thing. That's what we're supposed to be doing now, is to go, you're the church. Now what we'd like for you to do is go be witnesses and start where you are. I have chosen you, Jesus said, to share my message. This is the way I want it to happen. I want it to happen through people who saw this. I want it to happen through people who have been changed. He could have done it in a lot of ways. You know, Jesus talks about he could command legions of angels to go and do this. He could do it through all kinds of different ways. But he said, here's the deal. I want to do it through you. I want you to be the people who share this. You who have the truth. And for those disciples, they had the truth. They saw a sacrificial death given up by, by Jesus himself. And then they saw the resurrection. So you have the truth. And then he says, and then I'm going to give you the power to do it. So you have the message, and then I'm going to empower that through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And then you'll, you'll have everything you need. You have the truth, and then you have the power to go and share it. That's the same that we have. We are people who have the truth, who've encountered a crucified and resurrected Savior. We have the power of the Holy Spirit we have everything that we need to go share this, but we often don't do it well. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And this is not a day where we're going to beat ourselves up about it. This is a day where we're going to realize what God has already put in us for us to be able to share this. That's our purpose. It's about the Savior and the saved. The Savior going, this is what I did, and I saved you. And as saved people, we go, we take the Savior with us as saved people, and then we go and we share this. We go, I want to show you something's different. I want to show you a new way of life that I got through Christ, the way that I've been changed. That's our witness more than anything is to be able to go to the world and go, hey, can I just tell you, I used to be this way, and now I'm this way. And it's all because of God, because he's the hero of this story. And it's really interesting when we look at this, because when you look throughout Scripture, it seems like believers in the first century, the first thing they did was share their faith. But now, if you look at believers, it seems like it's kind of the last thing that we do is to share our faith. Maybe after we set everything else up and all the circumstances come together just perfectly and we find somebody who's just at the right time and just in the right way, and maybe they come to us and they just ask us to share it, and then that's what we do. And instead, it ought to be the thing that motivates our life in every way. Again, for Jesus to say, this is your purpose. It's not to go to church, and it's not to build a comfortable life, and it's not to get a great education, and it's not to do great at your job. It's none of those things. And my fear is that if the rest of the world were to watch us really closely, 
And the way that we spend our time and the way that we spend our energy and the things that we do, they go, it sounds like your great commission is to make yourself a comfortable life. And I'm guilty of that, of trying to build things around that. As a matter of fact, it just flows through us sometimes, even to our kids, to go, hey, you need to do really well in school. Why? So that you can get uh, high ranking when you graduate. Why? So that you can go to college. Why? So that you can learn a trade and you can graduate there with honors so that you can move into a new role and you can start earning money so that you can start setting it aside so that someday you can retire and you can have this life set up where everything's good. And that's not our purpose. And that's not the purpose of our children. And that's not what we're passing on to you. And young people, if you've gotten that impression from us, we are sorry and we repent. We want you to know that there is life in being a witness for Christ. That's what we want for you. More than anything there is else in the world is for you to live a life as a witness for Christ taking things that are dead and making them alive. That's what we want. So, he says, here's where I want you to start. Start here. Start right here. Start in Jerusalem and start in Judea. Why? Because that's where you are. That's basically what he's telling them. I want you to start right where you are. And I want you to begin there. And the idea of starting right there is for you to start with the people that you're nearest to. I want you to start with the people around you. And it's not because that's the easiest. Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, you start in Jerusalem and you start in Judea because it'll be the easiest spot because there's all these religious people. It wasn't the easiest spot. You need to know that's the place where you had the leadership and you had the mob who killed Jesus. This is going to be a difficult place. This is going to be a hard place for you to start. But I want you to start here because these are also where your neighbors and your friends and your life is. You know, we don't always get that, but one of the things that happens is when Jesus took his disciples and said, I want you to start here, and I want you to be my witnesses, means Peter's neighbor, and it means John's co-worker, and it means the relatives of Andrew. It means the people that you're closest to. For Jesus to go, I've put you in a place. You have a sphere of people around you, and that's where I want you to start. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, it's going to be hard. You need to know in Jerusalem, you're going to find all kinds of people. You're going to find humble people who will be willing to listen to this. You're going to find hurting people who are desperate to know what's true. You're going to find hateful people who want to kill you for what you're saying. And that's still where I want you to start. I want you to start right there. And it really has very little to do with how fertile the land is. It has a lot more to do with where I've placed you because you're my witness. And I've decided to do this through you. Start at home. That's where you should begin in being a witness. Let me tell you something as we continue on. I love world missions. I think world missions are very important. And you're going to hear us talk more about this. Next week, we'll talk about Samaria. The week after that, we will talk about world missions. As a matter of fact, the Dyes will be here, some of our missionaries from Brazil. And they'll be able to come up here and tell you some stories of what God's doing. But you need to know the first thing that Jesus told his followers was not go hire missionaries and give them money and send them to the other side of the world. He said, you start here. You start with the people around you. Yes, we will send missionaries, but do not forget your neighbors. You have people around you, and the Lord has sent you there. It's important that you go. And it's important for us to realize that, because sometimes what we do is we kind of get locked into where the most fertile ground is. And that's okay. It's okay to look at that. It's okay for us to look and go, hey, this is a place where they're receptive, so let's send some people there. That's important. Do not hear me say it's not. 
But you need to know, too, we are here for a reason. The Lord placed you in this place and in this town and us up on this hill so that we can reach the people around us. I hear it sometimes. God's abandoned America. No, he hasn't. You know how I know that? Because he left you here. That's how I know he did not abandon America. He left his witnesses all over the place. He is here, and his expectation is that what we will do is we will be witnesses of what it looks like to live a different life in a different kingdom in the way that Jesus says. And so that's what our goal is here in our Jerusalem and in our Judea. That's important to look at what it means to be a witness, too. The idea of what you're witnessing. I did, I witnessed one time uh, an accident on, I, uh, on 183 in Austin. Shocker. I would have witnessed the accident in Austin. So I remember I'm driving, driving on 183 and I'm driving north and there's a lot of people and some guy came flying through the middle of us. And as he did, you could tell he was in a bad mood and not happy about it. He's driving angry. And he clipped a car right in front of me as we're all going 65, 70 miles an hour on 183. Took it out at the front. It spun out, hit the guardrail in the middle, and then bounced off and then hit the guardrail on the outside. So we all stopped, and the guy just kept going. And one of the things that happened is you first noticed there was a little child in that car. And it was in the car seat, and there was tears, and there was hurt, and the driver is unconscious, and all of these things that happened. And so we stopped, and there was two or three of us. And one of the things that happened was we got in there, we made sure not to move anybody. We're all calling 911. When the police showed up, they wanted to know who witnessed this. And I want to tell you, I felt so compelled, as did the other two people, to go, I saw what happened. I want you to know. I have got firsthand information on what happened here, and it is important I let you know what it is, because this was awful. And the person who did this drove off, and we want to tell you about it, and we want you to understand what happened. I have firsthand knowledge of what this looks like. I can shine light on this, and the other people, we can bring truth to what happened here. And the truth and the light on what happened in this occasion is really what matters. And that's what we get to do as people who are the redeemed of God. Is this idea, I have light and I have truth because I bore witness to this. I've seen it. It's really important for us to make sure we understand what we've seen. I've seen a life that was turned around. Mine. I've seen a time where I was dead in my sin and I've been made alive in Christ where I've gotten hope and I've gotten grace and I've gotten forgiveness and I can bear witness to that and I can tell you about that and it's important you know. I feel compelled to tell you. And it should be something that brings us great joy is to be able to do that. And it's not just what, what I bore witness to what I saw. It's also bearing witness is I'm here as evidence I'm here as evidence, and I'm here as proof. That's another way that we bear witness to this, is we come as actual evidence and proof. I have, I've told you before, I have this grandfather that I loved dearly. He's one of my favorite people in the world. And he was a DPS officer. He was a regional commander for the DPS for a long time. And I just looked up to him so much. And he retired when he was 65 and then lived another 31 years after that and passed away. And I was just a little kid when he was at the DPS. But when he passed away, I remember being at his funeral. And, and we're there in his family, and there's all of us that know him. And it's, a, it's this beautiful packed room full of people. But the DPS officers from Tyler showed up. They're there. And they bring the Texas flag. 
And, and they do the honor guard where they fold the flag and they give that to us. And the neat thing about that was I'm sitting there and I'm watching these officers and I go, I don't even know if they were alive when he was actually somebody who was on the DPS when my grandfather was there because he'd been retired over 30 years. And these were young guys. And they go, it's, it's not so much that they knew it and saw it, but they came and they even said, we are here on behalf of the state of Texas and the Department of Public Safety to bear witness to your grandfather. We are evidence, we are proof of some of what your grandfather did. We are here as people that are part of what he did, and we are the proof that he made a difference in what he did. That's us. We are not just people who can say, I saw something. We can be people who go, I am proof. I am evidence. I'm an alive person. Live differently now. Still have hard things. Still have anxiety. Sometimes still have fear. Still this body is going to break down and I'm going to die. But I live differently now. Those things don't hold who I am. I have hope. I have a new belief. I don't have to be afraid. There's a new kingdom that's come. And it's the story that we believe in. And it's the story that rules our lives. That's part of what it means for us to be witnesses. And for the disciples during this time, for them to go to Jerusalem, you need to know the first thing they could do is go to the people and go, hey, for the Jewish people, what you've been waiting for all this time, what you've dreamed of, what you've desperately wanted, deep in your hearts, is here. It's come. That's one of the things that they were going to go do. It's not go, hey, you're wrong. Hey, you're awful. Hey, you need to change. They're coming and going, hey, everything you've always wanted has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It's what you've been waiting for and what you desperately desire. We have the same thing. We get to witness the same thing, to go into a world that doesn't even maybe know what it desperately desires and what it needs, and to be able to go, you need to know what you've always been waiting for has come. It's come in the person of Jesus Christ. There is peace. There's grace. There's forgiveness. There's a place where you don't have to be afraid. And we're going to bring that to you. That's what we get to do in being witnesses. And you need to know what we have as being a witness. If we were to take it and go, okay, now go witness. Well, you got a big bag of witness. What's in it? Let me tell you what's not in it. It's not a new way of doing church. It's not a new set of rules to follow. That's not what this means. What we bear witness to is a new way of living. It's a new story that we believe in and one that we believe has come true and that we're part of that is going to go throughout our lives that was before us, that is throughout our lives and will continue after us and go into eternity. We don't just get, they didn't just pass out a new hymnal and a new set of rules for church and say, now go spread this. So go be my witnesses of what you've seen that I have changed, a new world and a new kingdom. And that's what we get to go do. Your witness is not, I followed the rules and so Jesus saved me. Your witness is, Jesus came and before I was ever born saved me. He died on the cross. He sacrificed for us. He made a new kingdom. And I get to live in that. I've accepted that and I've decided to live in that. And I encourage you, come join us. Come join us. Come be part of this new kingdom in this new way. Now, here's the problem. We have a hard time doing this sometimes. It's difficult. 
and we're not always the best. I know I'm not at doing this, so let's talk for a few minutes about what keeps us from being the witnesses that we're supposed to be. One of the things we're going to have to do if we're going to be witnesses of Christ is we're going to have to change the way we look at ourselves, the way that we look at others, and the way that we look at God. All of those things kind of have to change because this world tells a very different story. The biggest issue, I think, with us sharing our faith and being witnesses in this world is that too often it's too easy to disqualify ourselves and disqualify others from hearing. Disqualify myself from sharing, I'm not capable, and disqualify you from hearing, you're not open. That's one of the first things that happens. And you need to know, that's a lie from the accuser. That is a lie from Satan, is to tell you, you are not capable and they're not open to hearing. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to get past that. One of our thoughts sometimes is, I don't know enough and I'm not qualified and I'm not gifted enough to share. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. If God has taken you from a dead person to an alive person in Christ and you've been gifted the Holy Spirit, then you have what you need. You can do this. And I know a lot of times we look at this and we go, oh, Scott's starting to talk about sharing my faith and I'm not sure I know how to do this. And a lot of us, I don't know if you're like me, go back to the days of door knocking. Do you remember door knocking campaigns? I don't know if you young people might not know this, but let me tell you what used to happen. When we were kids, or when I was a kid, when I was younger, one of the things that we would do is we would gather together at the church on a Saturday morning and we'd have somebody come in and they would fire us up and go, you need to tell people about Jesus because their eternity depends on it and we need to go out and we need to share Christ with people. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in partners. You two together are going to go, and you're going to go down this way, and you two are going to go, and they send you out into the neighborhoods and into the city to go knock on the door of strangers. And one of the things that they would do is they go, one of you is going to be the talker, and the other person is going to be the listener, and you're going to help share your testimony, and you're going to help teach them about this. And so you get out there, and you've been fired up, and you've been dropped off in a neighborhood of strangers, and you're, you head up to the door, and it doesn't matter if you're supposed to be the talker or the listener. You're both walking up there with the same thought. I hope nobody's home. <laughs> right? You been there? The idea of going, oh, my goodness, I'm going to go knock on this door. And I don't know what these people are going to say to me. They may just slam the door in your face. Listen, there was a time where that was an effective way of evangelism. And one of the reasons was because we kind of lived in a place where there was this baseline of everybody believed in God and the truth of the Bible. And so we had this idea of going, if we can start there, then what we'll do is we'll talk to you about what it means to follow Christ. And I don't want to knock that. I just want to say we all kind of understand the idea of being scared to death when that happened. Because it was a difficult thing to do. But being a witness to Jesus Christ is not something that's supposed to flow from shame or from guilt. It's supposed to flow from joy. It's supposed to flow from a place where we can't help but share what Christ has done in us. It's a very different thing. I, I saw a movie, got a slide up here. If you would put that picture up, guys. I don't know if you recognize that. That's from a movie. Does anybody know that movie? Mr. Holland's Opus. If you've taught, you know that movie. It's our, it's our anthem, if you've ever been a teacher. I taught junior high for a while, uh, and uh, this was a, a movie that, that I desperately loved and that a lot of people that have taught have loved. It's, it's about Mr. Holland, who's over there on the left, and his years, his whole career follows him for 30 years being a teacher in a high school. He's a band teacher. And... The young lady on the right there, her name is Gertrude Lang. And she was a gifted, smart, talented young lady who's in the band. And she plays the clarinet. 
and they've got a solo that's coming up, and they've chosen her to do the solo. And when he sits down with her, and they keep going over it and over it together, they keep asking, you know, play this solo, and she keeps messing up, and she keeps fumbling, and she keeps messing up. And she's got the ability to do this, and she's got the talent to do it, but she's getting in her head too much. You know what I mean? She's got to this spot where she's scared to death, and I'm questioning myself, and I don't know if I can do this, and so she keeps messing up. And so Mr. Holland stops for a second. He goes, okay, stop, stop. He goes, let me ask you this. What do you love most about yourself? And she said, I think my red hair. My daddy says that it reminds him of the sunset. And so Mr. Holland goes, just play the sunset. Just play the sunset. She takes a deep breath and she relaxes. And she begins to play something that she knew how to play the whole time. And what that was, was the stopping and the understanding of what do you have? What do you have? What has God given you? For her, it was to go, he gave me this beautiful red hair. For us, it's he's given me hope. He's given me uh, freedom from fear and from anxiety. He's made me a new person in Christ. He's given me forgiveness. He's changed my life. Then play that. That's what it means for us as followers to go play what you've been given. The Lord has changed you. It should be the thing that you love most about yourself is not what you did. It's what's been given to you by Christ. What I love most about myself, I've been redeemed. I've been made whole. No matter what I've done, without deserving it in any way, Christ has made me a new person. Then play the sunset. Take that. Go where God has placed you. Take the gifts that he's given you and the things that you enjoy and be a witness there. I know many stories of great people that have done this. There's a lady that I knew in Austin who's an older woman, and at one point she came, and we had talked about this one time before, and she said, you know, I'm a gardener. That's what I'm going to do. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a gardening club in my neighborhood. And so she did. She started this gardening club, and other retired people would come who liked to do gardening and enjoy that together. And then they started gathering her house, and she would talk to them about, you know what I love about this is the idea that you can plant something small and something big grows about it. That's what's happened in my life. Did you know that what I like about this is the idea that you could plant this seed and this little dainty thing that looks like it's not very strong at all, the sprout can actually grow up and push through the soil and come to life. And that there's life under the soil, even if you don't. And that's the way she would talk to people. That's what God's done in my life. That's who I am. What a witness. What an amazing witness to be able to share in that way where God has placed you. That's the opportunity, like Paul says, you get to boast in your weakness. It's great. That's a great way to witness. You know, here are the things that I'm not good at. Here's the things that I've struggled with. Here are the things that have been difficult for me in my past. But you know what God's done? Here's what God's done for me. That's how we get to boast in our weakness. Because we're also getting to boast in the power of God. And that's what we get to do. Sharing our faith and being a witness, you need to know, takes precedent over everything. Over everything. It's the Great Commission. It's over your family and your kids and your job and soccer and band and retirement and everything else. But here's the neat thing. While it takes precedent over all of those, those are the places that are your Jerusalem. That's where God has placed you. That's where he said, start here, where you are. If you're in band, if you're in school, if you're in retirement, it doesn't matter. God's placed you in a spot to be able to be his witness. 
Here's the other thing we got to do is we got to start looking at other people differently. We got to change the way that we see other people. There's no doubt about that. Other people are not just in our way. They're not people to be overcome. They're not people to be defeated. They're not your enemies in any, any way. They're not folks that you're supposed to use to get ahead and step on them to get where you're trying to go. And they're not even just people to be tolerated or to co coexist. You know, you see that from a lot of other religions as they go coexist. Just that we can coexist together. Our call is much higher than coexist. Jesus calls us and says, here's what I want you to do. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and go witness. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter where they come from. That's what we're being called to do. That's why I think it's such a big deal. I'm glad that Ricky mentioned it. Start thinking about tomorrow. It's the celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. The idea that you had a guy who said, here's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to live this out through Christ in the idea of there are people that are being abused and there are people that are being harmed. And what I'm going to do is step forward and not go, we're going to beat this with more power. I'm going to do this in the way of Christ and take a nonviolent approach. And it changed our country. What an amazing thing. To have somebody live out the witness of Christ in that way. To be able to go, this is what it looks like. This is what my Jesus did for me. This is now what I'm going to do. It's going to cost you something. There's no doubt about that. That's why I love that phrase MLK had. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's the message of the cross. What was used for hate that drove him to the cross was actually exceptional love and that's what changed the world we got to look at people in a very different way we got to understand the heartbreak that our father has for all of those that don't belong to him in every single way and realize that he's put us where we are so that we can bear witness to those who even drive us nuts and frustrate us Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, so um, yeah I know that one that wouldn't sound like that was directed at me. <laughs> Here's the last thing that we struggle with sometimes is we disqualify God from being a part of this. We can disqualify ourselves and go, I'm not good enough. We can disqualify them and go, they're not open to hearing it. And then we disqualify God in his actual movement and power and being a part of what's happening here. He is at work in other people around you. You need to know. We worship an active, alive God. He moves pieces around. He may actually be working on the hearts of your neighbor right now and the person that you're going to bump into somewhere, someone that you work with, someone on the soccer team with you. He may actually be priming their hearts right now to hear your witness. He's active and he's moving. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And because of that, what happens with us is we get to go around and through the joy of our salvation, we get to witness and then we let him take care of the results. We're not in the outcome business. You need to know that. We are in the sharing and witnessing business. That's what we do. And we let God take care of the rest of it. I saw something really neat this past week. Uh, I saw somebody who put up on social media uh, a thing called their blood journey. Uh, they, they do uh, blood donation. At the blood drives, you know, where you go to the blood bank and you give your blood. And one of the things that happened was they put up there, and this is something that uh, blood and tissue centers are starting to do now, is to go, would you like to see where your donation went? 
And so what happened was they put up there and they showed, you gave blood on this date. It would be like, uh, Scott, you gave blood on this date at Kerrville Church of Christ in Kerrville, Texas. And then that blood got sent to the blood and tissue center down in San Antonio. And it was frozen and it stayed there for a month. And then it got shipped off to uh, somewhere outside of, shipped to Hondo, where there was someone who was in an accident. And your blood actually was donated to that person after they had a horrible car accident. And it helped save their life. And I looked at that and I thought, what a great idea. The whole idea to go, what you have has spread in such a way that it helped save lives. This is what we get to do. The blood journey that it talks about. It's the blood of Christ in our case. And what's happened is that it's come and it's been donated to us in a way. And then we get to take that and we get to spread that somewhere else. And the idea that sometimes we get to be people who get to see a life changed because someone who desperately needed to know about Christ has come to faith in him and who now has an eternal life that begins right here in this place in following Christ. That's the blood journey. That's the call in Acts 1-8 for us is him to say, I want you to be my witnesses. Why? Because there's going to be a blood journey and it's going to go all the way to the ends of the earth. And we get to be a part of that in some way. The Savior and the saved. That's how Jesus has decided that he's going to share his message of his new kingdom. He's the Savior and we're the saved. I met the Savior and now I'm now saved. And I get to share that. And he decided to use us. So here's what we need to do. Number one, let's be honest and let's just confess. Sometimes we just need to confess and go, Lord, sometimes I'm afraid to do this. I have anxiety about doing this. I'm not sure how to go about it. I'm not sure how to start. And maybe I've believed some lies that have been told to me. So that's number one. It's okay. You need to know. It's okay to start and go, sometimes I'm really nervous and I don't know how to do this. Lord, give me strength to be able to do this. Show me the way. Put me in a place where I can do this. That's the next thing that we need to do is we need to be praying about that. Here's another part of this. We need to listen. We need to be people who go out into the world and don't just constantly spew all of this upon people without having a relationship with them. We need to listen to people. Let me tell you one of the things that's going on with our vision team right now. So you remember, I've got this vision team, and we've been working on seeking his way, and we're trying to figure out what does it look like for us to be Christ here in this place and in this town, in our Jerusalem and in our Judea. And one of the things that we've been doing recently that I want to update you on and that will we'll feed you more information is we've sent out the team to go talk to people. We're talking to the superintendent of schools, and we're talking to the mayor, and we're talking to the head of the hospital, and we're talking to the head of the VA hospital, and we're talking to the head of uh, all of these different places and going, what do you see in this town? Who's hurting? Who desperately needs to have hope? Who's falling through the cracks? What do you think a group of people who claim to be witnesses of Jesus ought to be doing in this town? And we're getting some interesting stuff coming back to us. I can't wait to share it with you. There will come a time where we'll be able to pull this together and we will share with you what is being said out there because I want you to know that's part of what we're doing in our listening phase here our asking phase is to ask people and go, where's the hurt? Where can we be witnesses? Who needs to hear this message? So we get to listen. We get to be part of that in some way. The next thing is we need to pray that our hearts will change. We need to ask God, make us compassionate. Give us an urgency for sharing Christ because there will come a time where it's too late. 
We're not able to share it anymore. And so while we're here, we need to have an urgency about being witnesses. We need to have a joy in it. Ask God, Lord, give me a joy in what I share. Fill me with the Holy Spirit in such a way that I can't help but share this with other people. Give me a heart to see other people the way that you see it, that you see them. That's one of the things that we can do as we pray. One of the other things that we can pray for is boldness. And sometimes we get that confused. We pray for a boldness to go out and just pound people with the gospel. That's not what we're talking about. I need a boldness in what Jesus has done for me. We need a boldness in how Christ has changed us. This is where we get to boast of our weakness, is in our boldness where we get to say, I was once this way, and now I'm another way. And it's not about me, it's about what he did. We need to remember to make Jesus the hero of the story. You know, what's interesting to me is Paul, who wrote a, a large portion of what we have in the New Testament, and who constantly you know, went all the way to Caesar, to give his testimony and to bear witness, prayed often that he would be able to, to have boldness. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 6, that's what he asked. Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, Paul asked the congregation there, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. What a great prayer for us. Then you have Acts 4. You have uh, Peter and John after they had gone and give testimony in front of leaders in Jerusalem around that time. One of the things that they talked about was the leaders that saw them said, you know, we were amazed because they were unschooled and ordinary men. And Peter and John said, we can't help but share. If you tell us to stop, you need to understand, we can't help it. I can't help it. I have to share with you what Jesus did. And when they came back with the believers together, this is what they said. Now, Lord, consider their threats that they've made against us and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. May this be a place where we pray for boldness and may these rooms shake as we desire to be witnesses of what we've seen through Christ. As we leave here, take this with you. Find opportunities. One of the ways that I'm going to ask you to do that is there's green pieces of paper out around there. I'd like to ask if you would to take just a moment when I pray here in a minute and we sing for a little bit. Is This says, Holy Spirit, please provide an opportunity for, your to, for me to be your witness to. This is an opportunity for you to write down the name of a neighbor, somebody who lives near you. Somebody who works with you. Maybe a relative that you've had for a while and you've been trying to. The best thing that we can do is pray and ask God, prepare that heart, give me an opportunity, guide me to them. We're not going to take these up, write them down, stick it in your Bible, pray about it regularly. We should be people of great witness because we have seen amazing things. We've seen death be turned into life. We have seen fear turn into hope and confidence. That's who we are. If you would, stand with me. We're going to close out in prayer. And I'm going to ask during this time that we have elders, ministers, or spouses around to pray. If you would like uh, somebody to pray with you over who this person is, we would be happy to do this. If you would like to pray that you will have boldness and that you would have confidence to share, come pray with us. If you just want to pray over something that's going on in your heart, you can pray over anything. Pray with each other. Come pray with us. We want to be uh, a house of prayer. Let's close out. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love.
Uh, we thank you that we have bore witness to amazing, miraculous things. Lord, you have turned us from a people who needed to be uh, filled with guilt and with shame over our lives, and instead we've been washed clean. We no longer have that guilt and that shame. We don't have to live that way any, long, any longer. We don't need to be people of fear. We don't need to be people of anxiety. Instead, we are people of confidence, and we know that you hold our future in your hands. And so, Lord, let us, out of a sense of joy, boldly speak and be witnesses about what you've done in our lives. And Lord, we pray all of this in the name of our resurrected Savior, Jesus. Amen.